from AATH, the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. This is LaughBox, the podcast for laughter and humor professionals. Here's your host, Chip Lutz. Here it is, time for Laugh Box, my favorite time of the week, and perhaps yours too, but I don't know. Shoot me an email, let me know, chip at unconventionalleader.com, um, and I'll sit there and wait for it, because that's what I do. That's what th- technology does to my brain, it makes me sit there and wait, keeps me from being in the moment. Well, this week, I'm talking to Robert Plotkin, and we're talking about how to integrate technology into your mindfulness practices. Fascinating conversation. Because I know for me, some of the biggest distractions I have are my phone, my apps, Facebook, computer, email, all those things. And he shares with us how to not have it work against you for mindfulness, but how to actually let it work with you. So, I want you to get a pad and paper. No, just get your phone and let's have a little bit of fun. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to the podcast. I'm pretty excited today because, well, anyway, I, I get a, I, I love talking to people. I especially love learning new things, and today those things come together because I'm talking about mindfulness and technology with, with the, the guru himself, Robert Plotkin. So, welcome, my friend, to the podcast. Oh, thanks so much for having me. And I always tell people, you know, I, I struggle with all of this as much as anyone else. I, I don't think I'm a guru, although I appreciate, you know, you, you calling me that. I think I'm just someone who, you know, has struggled with technology and mindfulness, learned a lot on my own and, and likes to share that with other people. Awesome. Well, and, you know, for our listeners, if you could just give them a little bit of background on you, that would be awesome. Yeah, uh, you know, I have a kind of unusual combination of backgrounds, which led me to where I am now. Uh, I'm a computer scientist. I've been programming since I was a kid, started on an Atari 800 computer in the early 80s, studied computer science at MIT, I've been a patent lawyer for the last 20 years, focusing on, on patent protection for computer technology. So I'm just immersed in the high-tech world all the time. And in my work, I have to use technology, computers for writing and communicating with people. And uh, like everyone else, I struggle with staying focused and, and not de-stressed you know, while using technology. Yeah. On the other side, you know, not professionally, but in my spare time since I was a kid for the last 35 years, I've studied Japanese martial arts. That's my primary background in in mindfulness uh, training. And in recent years, I've also started engaging in mindfulness meditation. And so what what I learned for myself, kind of the aha moments I've had were how I can bring those two backgrounds together to help myself learn how to stay focused, productive, uh, uh, avoid, you know, that pull of the technology that it has. first for myself and, and now to try to help other people learn how to get those same benefits. That is awesome. And I can't wait to talk about that because my phone is probably one of the, my biggest distractions. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I'm, I'm all about that. Before we get into our conversation, I'm just going to ask you a random question just to get our um, conversation going. Now, I'm assuming based on your, your, your roots in the computer world that uh, you grew up in the 80s. 
Yeah, I did. I did. Right. I was a young kid and, and then teenager in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. All right. So what is your go-to 80s tune that takes you back to high school? You're like, woo, you throw your hands up, get the rock on sign. What is that? <laughs> what is that tune for you? You know, I actually play music. I was with a bunch of people last night and we brought up 8675309. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> a funny story is that, you know, I like, when I do in, when I invoice for my business, um, I always like try to think of fun uh, invoice numbers. Like so, like one time I put OI eight one two as an invoice number, and I actually got a check with that on there. And then so my last <laughs> invoice that was actually my invoice number. Was, <laughs> I used Jenny's phone number. There we yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love I love the A's. People people put it down all the time, but there's there's great music from the A's. And I tell you, I'm in a I'm in a band too, just an amateur thing, and we play '80s music. You know, people get up and go crazy. I love that. We went to my wife and I. We went to uh, uh, saw an '80s band for New Year's Eve a couple of years ago. It was fantastic. It was like being right back in high school. <laughs> Made me wish I had a Trans Am and everything. <laughs> we just did uh, Sister Christian recently, and I think everyone felt like they were back at their prom if they grew up at that time. <laughs> oh, my Lord. They played the hell out of that on the radio <laughs> in the 80s. I got so sick of that song. I was like, man, can you guys play something else? That and let's hear it for the boy from football. <laughs> <Flip. laughs> Woo! All right. Yeah. You're taking me straight back, man. I, I, feel, I feel 30 years younger. <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, I'm really excited to talk about um, our topic today. So, you know, let's just start with the the, the whole concept of mindfulness. And you know, when you're when you're thinking mindfulness, you know, can you give me like a high level uh, description of what you're talking about? Yeah, let let me start out. You know, for you and other people who may not be familiar with it, I'll, I'll start out with the kind of boring and very sensible definition that's that's usually given. Uh, most people attribute it to John Cabot Zinn, who founded the Center for Mindfulness and Mindfulness Based Stress Reduction (MBSR). Many people may have heard of, and. Uh, he says mindfulness is paying attention intentionally to your experience from moment to moment without judgment. I mean, it's a great definition. It really gets it across. It is, it is a bit boring. You know, to bring it in a technology context, I might <laughs> want to say, boring. you know, That's funny. Be, being mindful is kind of like live tweeting your life to yourself. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're paying attention to stepping back from and noticing what your experience is from right. moment to moment intentionally. And when I say it's like live tweeting, sometimes people teach mindfulness when you're starting out, if you're having a hard time getting your head around that, oh, I'm having my experience. What does that mean to pay attention to it? I mean, aren't I doing that already just by uh -huh. being here, living my day, eating breakfast, you know, brushing my teeth? Well, there's an aspect of stepping back from your experience and paying attention to it. And sometimes it can be helpful to put words to it in your mind, uh, to really focus on what you're experiencing. Like, oh, I'm experiencing excitement now, mm -hmm. uh, fear. Uh, I'm feeling focused. I'm feeling agitated. If you sometimes, if you put words to it, as right. if you're writing a little tweet, it can help you clarify, you know, what your own experience is. To, but that's really, it's in a sense, you know, it's just like remember that you were back in the '80s. We'll keep sharing '80s experiences. Wasn't yes, there? A, yes, a, a, Othello commercial for that game, Othello. You know, a moment to learn, a lifetime to master. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's the same thing with mindfulness. It's very simple concept but very difficult to actually engage in. 
It takes a lot of practice and it's really a lifetime experience. It's not like you ever get mindful and then you're done. <laughs> you know, it's something that you just have to keep working on right. forever, really. And so, I mean, and this came from, I assume, you know, like, because um, you alluded to a little bit your your martial arts background. Because I, it, it, so that's just so so unique to me, you know, that it's uh, kind of evolved from that. Is that something that they practice within martial arts? Yeah. You know, in my own martial arts training, it's kind of funny. I had American and then Japanese teachers, and I don't remember anyone using the word mindfulness. There are some other states of mind that, that, that are focused on in, in Japanese. One is called Zanshin, which essentially means like a kind of calm, all-encompassing awareness. Uh, you can think of it practically as you're walking down the street. You're ready at any point to be attacked. You're not bracing for it. You're not nervous. You're not tense. You're mm -hmm. completely calm, but also completely aware of your environment. And that is a kind of a kind of mindfulness. You know, the way I one way I experienced it was in learning how when someone's throwing a punch at you, mm -hmm. you know, what's your instinctive response? Fight or flight? You know, right. you. You, you flinch, you get scared, you turn around, you want to run away, uh, right. you start sweating. You, you learn to just pay attention to that, but see it coming at you. I mean, I, I love the first matrix. We can forget about the second and third matrix. <laughs> you <know? laughs> but, you know, I hope now, uh, 20 years later, I'm not going to spoil this for anybody to say that right at the end, when Neo gets shot at, you know, by that stream of bullets mm -hmm. and puts his hand out and all the bullets stop in the air mm -hmm. and he pauses and looks at them and picks one out, kind of turns it over and inspects it. And in, in doing that, right, they fall to the floor. That to me is, is like the ultimate goal of mindfulness in martial arts, to be able to be calm, poised, collected in the face of a life-threatening attack uh -huh. and just see it. And that enables you to then respond. Now, you may respond by kicking the person in the head, you know, but the first part, the first point is to be able to pause and, and see what's happening calmly from a bit of a distance. And that is mindfulness right. from the martial arts perspective. <clears throat> well, but that has a direct application in real life. I mean, it, it, we're not getting having punches thrown at us all the time, but certainly we have metaphorical life punches thrown at us all the time. So, I mean, there, there has to be, I mean, I, for me, I see a direct, you know, uh, correlation there as far as the application of mindfulness so that if you can kind of like step back and see the things that are coming from uh, at you, I think you're going to be better able to handle them as they come. Yeah. And in fact, let's turn to, to our smartphones. You know, if you pick up your phone and you see, I don't know what the, that icon is that gets your blood going. For me, it's my email and I see a badge on it that says 150 messages waiting. You know? Right. <laughs> that can feel like getting punched. You know, in fact, physiologically, it triggers a lot of the same responses in us as getting uh -huh. punched or attacked, you know. And uh, the, the really pernicious thing, if I, th at the risk of mixing my metaphors here, about the way our phones is are designed is that they do trigger deeply ingrained, like evolutionary responses in us. They're designed to do that. Really? It, yeah. I mean, well, let's just think back to, you know, where we were a couple of million years ago. You know, we're out on the savanna, and if there was some rustling in the grass, right, it was to our benefit to be mm -hmm. afraid and to focus all of our attention on that because it might be a tiger about to pounce out and kill us, right. you know? And we evolved to be overly attentive to signs of 
fear or danger, and in fact, to any kind of changes in our external environment. We react to novelty like that. Mm -hmm. And so our phones are designed to trigger the same response by beeping at us or notifying us or popping something up that's attractive to us. Mm -hmm. So it's like our brains are just say, shouting, tiger, 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 all day. <laughs> wow. I had ne I didn't I did, never put that together at all. I mean that is that is fascinating to me that um really it's basically the same type of response cuz I do I I don't say get anxiety but like with email and you know it's one of those things where you know 20 years ago let's see 20 years ago was um, yeah you know I remember I I was working in Washington DC in the Navy I and we first got email I might have gotten two emails a day two because nobody used it we still right. used we used paper for everything and stuff like that. And now it's like, you, you know, like you said, you know, you gone for a while. So you're like, you know, you, on an airplane, you get off, you've got like, you know, 50 messages like, oh my God, I got to get through all these. It, it causes quite a bit of anxiety for me. Yeah. And, you know, I think this is, I'm, I'm glad you, I'm glad you acknowledge that. I'll acknowledge that it causes anxiety in me. I think a lot of people, you know, know they feel that they don't want to admit it. They may be embarrassed or ashamed in the work mm -hmm. that I'm doing when I speak to people and let them know I work on technology and distraction and, and stress. They often, you know, start talking to me in whispered tones, you know, and, and it feels like I'm a priest at confession because they want to bear their souls to me about all the things they're doing. You know, I went on Pinterest last night for three hours and, oh, and wow. you know, I knew I wanted to do it. It was fun for a while and it was exciting while I did it. But when I was done, I really felt bad. I felt, all, I felt all dirty. Yeah, I felt kind of dirty. You know, it's empty calories, right? You know, right. It's the same reason you, you eat ice cream. Cream, you know, you eat the whole pint of ice cream. It feels great, but when you're done, you know, you regret it and you feel embarrassment, maybe some shame. Uh -huh. uh, and so I, I, I like to get that out in the open, acknowledge it about myself and hope to dispel it a bit and let, let everyone know, you know, we're all experiencing this. It's totally, yeah. totally normal. Uh, and and we're, we are responding in a natural way to the way our phones are designed. You mentioned email. Those might be coming from friends or work colleagues. Mm -hmm. But you know, I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist, but it's been well documented that a lot of the big tech companies, you know, Google is well known for this and Facebook, intentionally design their technology to be maximally attractive to your brain to keep it focused on doing things like clicking on that next ad uh, because that's what generates revenue for them. I mean, right. There's a great book by Nicholas Carr. It may seem like it's ancient history and internet time, which is uh, The Shallows, What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains, because it was published in 2009. But it's as relevant as ever. He documents how Google I mean, literally hooks people up to, uh, to vision sensors to track where their eyes are looking on the screen to optimize the design of web pages to keep people from reading from the top of an article to the end without clicking. I mean, that's a horrible failure for Google if you read a news article <laughs> from top wow. to bottom without clicking on an ad, right? Because they don't earn any more money from it. So it's, it's very much like a, a slot machine, you know, mm -hmm. where you're, we're being trained through the use of this technology constantly to be seeking out that next little reward that gives us a hit of dopamine. Right. So, so, you know, it, that's why I say when, if you can step back and see, see all of us like that, it's understandable that we're acting in ways that we maybe later regret or isn't in line with our best true selves and best intention. 
Well, I, and I'm glad you brought up the whole, like the reward portion of it you know, with that, that hit of dopamine. I just got back from Germany here last month and I, there were a lot of things that are different. Actually, I live in Wisconsin. Germany looks very much like Wisconsin, but <laughs> there were a lot of things that were different. But what I noticed when I was on the train uh, going from Munich to Garmisch is that everybody, you know, it was, had their head in their phone. And I was like, it, this is a universal thing right here. I, you know, I, culturally, you know, we, we all do it. And it's just, it's a, an interesting phenomena. If you think about, you know, like when we grew up, there was not, nothing like that. You had landlines, you know, and I'm, we're just, I'm just focusing on the phone right here, but all the technology, it's just a, such a part of how we live our lives. Um, it almost seems uh, strange to live our lives without it. Yeah, you know, it's happened so quickly. You know, you mentioned uh, being in Germany. I've seen pictures of Buddhist monks out in the field <laughs> with their smartphones. You know, no, one's, no one's immune to it. No one's immune right. to it. And people don't, I don't even think we remember just how quickly this has happened. I was just reading Cal Newport's new book, Digital Minimalism, and he talks about uh, Steve Jobs at that first big announcement of the iPhone one. Okay. What was that about 10 years ago? And even then Steve jobs didn't envision the iPhone as a distraction machine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it, he announced it basically as an iPod that could make phone calls and there was no app store. Uh, there was no ability for third parties to put loaded up with all these different apps that would distract you in a million yeah. different ways. You know, it was just a bit of a beefed up music listening device that, by the way, could also let you make phone calls. Right. So we're talking about six, eight years maybe in which this has happened with tech company. Again, I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist. And, you know, I'm glad to point people to the, to the sources for this that have put incredible resources to use knowledge of neuroscience and evolutionary biology to hook us in very quickly, more quickly than we can learn how to respond, right. which is why I'm working you know, through technology mm. for mindfulness to help people start to build up new defense mechanisms and strategies for counteracting the effects of what's really happened in like the blink of an eye. Right, because it has happened so fast. And some of it is, is awesome. Like, I love some of my apps. Like I love um, Uber and I love, I love Lyft yeah. because they know exactly where I'm at when I'm at the airport and they send somebody to come get me. I, I, that is like the best thing ever for somebody that travels. However, you know, it can, it can be one of those things where you're constantly in there. You know, we were just at dinner the other night and you, you look around the restaurant and here are couples out for dinner, but they both have their faces in their phones and it kind of, you know, um, takes away from the relational portion of, you know, being with other people. So you know, let's, let's shift rudder a little bit and, yeah. you know, cause, um, and talk about, you know, some of those practices people can do to, um, be a little more mindful in a world of distractions, because I think yeah. it's, it's something that I struggle with. I know every, I mean, like you said, I think most people do, even though it might be, they don't want to admit it. Yeah, and I'm glad to lead you and I can lead all your listeners through a very simple exercise that you can do. And, but I'm also glad you raised this point of how great technology can be. I mean, I've told you I am immersed in the tech world. I live, breathe, and, and sleep <laughs> technology. Yeah. You know, I'm not a recommending to anyone that they give up technology. Uh, I, you know, and a part of why I've been motivated to work on bringing mindfulness and martial arts into technology is you know, I've, I've had some experience with certain meditation teachers, you know, whose answer to this is to say, yeah, just put your phones away. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't, I don't think that's a practical thing or to give up on technology. I don't think it's a practical thing for most of us. This is, mm-hmm. I don't preach abstinence uh, when it comes to technology. <laughs> and I think we know from, if we go back to the eighties again, that was, a, there was a big effort, right? To teach right. abstinence. That was not very successful. <laughs> You're advocating practicing safe technology. Yeah, put a, safe. Put, a, safe put a condom on your phone. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. That's absolutely right. Absolutely right. You know, so in fact, I would what I advise, and here we'll do we'll do this exercise is uh, diving in to the phone and to 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 the experience with it, learning how to confront it and be with it. Mm-hmm. instead of running away from it so we can learn how to manage and take control over interaction okay so here i'm going to ask you and for anyone else listening unless you're in your car <laughs> okay to take your phone out now and this may be the biggest mistake in podcast history because i don't want to take your listeners away from focusing on us and the conversation but mm-hmm. just for a minute wake up your phone okay and w- now I'm going to say without tapping on anything yet, because I know that urge to tap can be so strong, find an icon for an app that normally really sucks you into it. And you know best what that is for you, right? It might be Facebook or text message, Instagram, whatever it is for you, find it. And I bet you, you will feel right now in this moment, the pull of it. (laughs) Okay. It It is pulling me. Do you want to make an admission of what that, uh, what that app is for you? Oh, it's the Facebook icon. Facebook. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, mm-hmm. great, great. Uh, for me, it's email, and that's what it is right now. So what we're going to do is take your finger, that would norm, the, the finger you use to tap on the icon, very slowly move it towards the icon, and just before you hit the screen, stop. Okay, so now the purpose of this is to pause and pay attention to your experience from moment to moment while you're paused hovering over that icon. So a few examples, if you're having trouble paying attention to your experience, what, is, what are you feeling in your body? You know, any tightness in your chest or palm sweating? How about your breath? You know, has your breath stopped or slowed down? I mean, could you tell me maybe what your experience so people can hear? Um, I, I'm feeling completely drawn to... Um push my finger onto the icon yeah yeah it is it is is compelling me it is like it's like come you you know you want to tap tap me you know in in buddhist mindfulness practice they call this a craving it's a Mm -hmm. very strong craving it is it's 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 like it's talking to me it's like you know you want to you can you can still listen. You can still listen to Robert and look at me at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So this is a great opportunity. So, you know, see this feeling, which may feel very irritating in some way to to, to be <laughs> feeling that and not being able to act up. See if you can step back and just pay attention to the fact that you're having that experience right now. You know, maybe that's not possible. It might take a while. Now, normally I might spend 10, 15, 20 minutes. Or this. We're just going to rush through this quickly. I want to give you some examples. Uh, you may pay attention to what thoughts you have. I've had many people say, Robert, what I'm thinking right now is that I hate you for making <laughs> me do this. <laughs> you know, that's okay. That's, if that's what you're feeling, that's what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. So next very important part of this, and if people want to practice this on their own, spend as much time as you want or as feels comfortable, is now to pull your finger away from the phone and put it to sleep. Okay, one reason that that's important is there's two, at least two key parts to this exercise. One is the noticing. 
practicing mm-hmm. paying attention to what your experience is. Because I wonder, you know, in the past when you've been pulled to tap on the Facebook icon, how aware were you of your feelings, let's say, while you were doing that? How aware? I was very aware. Of, you were aware. Yeah, of okay. how I was feeling. Oh, mainly because, I mean, I, you kind of primed me for that. So I was, I was thinking about, you know, what I was feeling, you know, by not touching that. Um, I mean, uh, normally, and actually, and actually before the, this, yeah. the, the sense of relief of uh, putting my phone to sleep so I didn't have to look at the Facebook icon as well. Yeah. There yeah. was, you know, that feeling of like when you said put it to sleep, I was like, thank God it's not talking to me <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can be very, can be very, very, very painful. Uh, but you know, I think very often we we uh, have an urge to mm-hmm. do something like tap Facebook, and then we dive in and act on it, and we short circuit the paying attention to what we're what we're feeling, or perhaps why we're acting. Mm-hmm. So part of this is to practice paying attention and asking yourself in that moment when you're paused something like, you know, I have this urge; it's drawing me to act but is this what I really want to do right now? You know, and might only take a few seconds to pause and practice that. And we'll be right back with Robert, but now it's time for Fun Facts. Fun Facts is where I share facts about humor, laughter, sometimes whatever I feel like. And this week, since we're talking technology, the fact is about technology. And this is the fact. Um, Technophobia is the fear of technology. Nomophobia is the fear of being without a mobile phone. I think we've all felt that. Cyberphobia is the fear of computers. Kurophobia uh, is the fear of clowns. So if we put this together, cyber kurophobia would be the fear of clowns on computers? Hmm, that would be interesting. Anyway, you got a fun fact you want to share? Email me at chip at unconventionalleader.com. I'd love to share it with the listeners. So let's get back to Robert. The second element, and this is where the martial arts training comes into play. This is why I see this and how I develop this, you know, from insights in in my experience in martial arts, is that you're practicing not just noticing, but also changing how you act. You know, uh, in martial arts training, you do practice noticing at fist flying at your face, but you don't just notice it and let it hit you. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) You, you practice then also developing new habits for responding, like throwing a block to not get hit or moving out of the way or turning around and and running away. You actually train new habits, mental, physical habits. You you train them over and over and over again Mm -hmm. so that when the time comes and someone attacks you, those habits kick into gear automatically. And that's the purpose of this kind of, that's a second purpose of this kind of exercise Mm -hmm. to Train yourself so that, look, we're sitting here, we're calm, you can take a minute to look at Facebook, but when you get off this call with me, an hour later, right, we'll both be wrapped up in our busy days, we'll be stressed out, Mm -hmm. and we'll feel that urge again. Right. And the goal is, if you practice this over and over again, that in that that period of time when you are stressed and you're not in a mindful state, the habit will kick into gear. Right. That is a fascinating. I mean, looking at how you can, because with technology being such a distraction, you know, taking that moment to think about what's going on and be mindful about how you're feeling. I mean, like you're like your whole purpose is not like shutting down, but looking how, you know, things integrate on, you know, uh, with, with technology. 
that that's that is amazing. Um, I love that. Yeah, yeah. And this is so. This is one <clears throat> exercise. I, this is part of a course I've developed called Tap into Mindfulness, and people can find it at, at tapintomindfulness.com or through technologyformindfulness.com. We're always mm. updating and further developing it. You know, I may I know sometimes when I speak to people, they they feel a little silly mm-hmm. about stopping and practicing tapping on an icon. You know, people say, wait a minute, I know how to tap on an icon. Already. Right. <laughs> you know, it seems, it seems to people like kind of a strange thing to do, to practice this. In fact, because the technology is designed to feel like it's so easy. You know, but what I'm trying to, what I, and I, I developed these exercises first for myself. I know I practiced them on my own. I'll tell you the one that I first used that was really most helpful to me was was I realized that I would often reach for the phone, sometimes it'd be in my pocket or on the desk, reach for it, and that's when I was off to the races. If I reached for it and woke it up, you know, it might be an hour later before I snapped back to my senses. So I practiced putting my phone in my pocket, reaching for it and stopping, and then pulling my hand away. And I do that 20, 30 times in a row. You know, I call that rep training. It's just like, you know, doing dumbbell crunches in the gym, one right yeah. after the other. Right. <laughs> reach, stop, pull away, reach, stop, pull away, reach, stop, pull away over and over. You know, after a couple of weeks, I found that I could be really hectic and stressed out and would totally automatically and absentmindedly reach for my phone and my arm would pause Mm -hmm. because that's what I had practiced doing over and over and over again. Right. So, you know, it may seem it may seem silly, but this is exactly, you know, what I experienced in martial arts training. As you continue, you can reach higher levels where you're not just doing things automatically, but it's a great it's a great first step to automatically stop if that's what you want to do instead of being pulled along by the nose, you know, by your phone. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, before you were, uh, you had mentioned like some of the, the poll of like, say like with Facebook, somebody likes, you know, something that we put on there, we get that hit of dopamine, people like, you know, like, oh, they like what I have on there and that, you know, spurs us to, you know, do a little bit more. I would think, I mean, if we took a moment, um, just like, you know, hovering over the icon to maybe like think about why, you know, our feelings in that moment of why we do that, that might, you know, why we like them liking us. Would that be the same type of application? Yeah, and it's, it's, this is a great question. People often ask, well, what about the positive things? You know, we're not mm-hmm. talking about, uh, we're, you're talking about something that feels good to get praise from somebody, right? Mm-hmm. We're all social creatures. We like, we, lo- we, we like getting praised. And you could say, again, evolutionary biology, you know, people evolved to seek out strong social connections with each other. That's what helped us survive in our tribes, you mm-hmm. know, was the strong social bonds. And, but if you're going on to Facebook 400 times a day or even 50 times a day, mm-hmm. you know, for that hit of dopamine, I think it can be helpful to pause right. and say, you know, do I need this 20th like or 50th like or 100? Is that something I really need? And, you know, you could ask yourself about how you feel about yourself generally. You know, just remind yourself, I'm a good person. I'm a valuable person. Mm-hmm. Whether I get 1,000 likes or 5,000 likes or zero likes. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'm laughing at it, making it lighthearted. But you know, there, is, there is something deeper about this, right? Which is right. that we, in, in the pot, whether it's the positive or negative, uh, trying to respond to fear or to seek out you know, that reward, 
in, in all ways, we're, we're responding to our instincts, which are not necessarily bad things, but it can be helpful to step back from them mm-hmm. and examine them and ask, you know, I, I often say, look, uh, I, I, I'm a patent lawyer, as I said, I'm really focused on productivity. And there's time with my clients. I still use email a lot. I know a lot of people think that that's, you know, ancient technology, (laughs) Uh, but there's times that I'll get drawn in to spending an hour responding to email. I just power through it and I'm feeling great. Look, I knocked that one out. I knocked that one out and the hour's done. I feel good. I feel like I was productive. Mm -hmm. But if I step back and say, you know what, what was I really hoping or intending to use that time for. It was actually to work on a specific project, which I have not moved forward at all, Yeah. right? You know, so it's, mindfulness can be helpful for stepping back, even from positive feelings. Right. And refocusing yourself on what your true intention is for how you want to be and spend your time. Well, and I think that, I mean, for those of us that are older, I mean, it might be easier for us to kind of like grasp the concept of life with that technology and, you know, the shift that it's made in our lives. But I think about like younger people, like say with my granddaughter, you know, who's growing up completely in a technological world. And that's, um, I would think that the application of uh, mindfulness within that might have, have helped them not be so consumed by what other people think. Um, you know, within the, the realm of, did I get some likes? Cause I mean, I've heard stories of like, you know, uh, young people who will, if they don't get enough likes on an Instagram post, they'll take it down because you know, it, it just was one of those things. It was a negative experience for them or like, Oh, and people don't like this, that I think they're, that your message needs to go out to younger people is all I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well. you know, I, it's, I have a lot of I have a lot of empathy for young people who, as you said, have you know, we're we're just born into this world, right? Uh, it is don't have a previous experience as a baseline, you know, to 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 compare against or go or go back to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it is. It's but look, it's important. It's important for us old folks <laughs> too as well. <laughs> we can be drawn into it into it just as much, uh, and and to remember that um, you know. It's okay to do something that people don't like. <laughs> yeah, well, it sounds, that's true too. It sounds simple. You know, yeah. it sounds simple. And, and you know, in, it's, it's interesting. In the business world the last few years, something that's become very popular, uh, and I don't know if you're, how familiar your listeners are with it, is this idea that failure is good, right? That you almost want, that if you're not failing enough, you're doing something wrong. You know, why is that? That because you're, if it means you're just being safe, you're not trying out new things. Anyone who's creative, who wants to push the envelope, who wants to try something new, just inevitably will fail a bunch of times. You know, sure. I think I've heard what success is defined as what comes after a long series of failures. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you're if every if at every step along the way you see negative feedback on Facebook as a failure that you can't tolerate, you'll never get to the end of that that path of success. Um, and, and that's, that's partially, I think, where uh, we move from focusing on these things individually. You know, the exercise I gave you was one you do on your own, 
But it's just super important for us all to be supportive of each other. You know, these are not all things we can change on our own. Right. It's important with our friends, our family, our colleagues to, to, to send them these messages to each other, you know, that, that we accept each other regardless of whether uh, the, the people are popular, that we accept failures from each other, right. uh, you know, that we value personal time <laughs> with each other. Uh, these are all things that are super important that can only be done together. Beautiful. That is great. Um, what are some other ways? Um, cause I know that you've got a lot of different applications for, yeah. you know, that what are some other things people can do to be, you know, use technology for mind, mindfulness? Yeah. You know, I, I like to go for the low hanging fruit. Uh, and the first thing I, I say to people, if you have no time or energy, you know, the thing that you get the biggest bang for your buck for <clears throat> is managing notifications on your yeah. devices, you know, and uh, on uh, Apple, they call it do not disturb. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm always amazed how many people don't even know that it exists on your iPhone. You go right on any screen, swipe up from the bottom, and you see this little crescent moon icon. You tap on it. That turns on do not disturb. What that means is all notifications, emails, phone calls, notifications from Facebook are silenced. You won't get them. There's a bunch of ways you can configure it. I won't go into that now in terms of which notifications you get and when you can let your, your wife or your boss get through or your child if you're concerned mm -hmm. about that, certainly. T managing notifications is the single quickest, easiest, biggest way I think you can start to try to take control over, over your technology. Different devices, different operating systems call it different things, but everyone, everyone has access to it now. That is a great piece of advice right there. That is, uh, that's, that's great. Like I don't have any notifications on my phone with the exception of like the, uh, I have them all turned off with the exception of uh, text and phone calls. Anything else I've got to go actually into the application to see if there's anything there. So, yeah. And, you know, talk about you. So you're like putting up a barrier, creating some friction for yourself. I use an app uh, called Leech Block. It's basically a website blocker. You know, there's a bunch of them out there and I put it on. I say, you know what? During work hours, don't let me watch YouTube or for me, I also go to New York Times or Washington Post. Those can yeah. be big times. So I give it a list of websites. I say, only let me spend a total of 15 minutes on any of these sites between, you know, in business hours. And you, you know, that puts up friction, but here's something a little bit funny about it. You can tell it, it the designers of that, of that app know that people are going to try to disable it, right? Yeah. <laughs> like being on a diet. It's like being on a diet. Well, this one little donut's not going to hurt me. Well, I'll just I'll, turn it off for now. Yeah, it'll be, it'll, yeah it's, it's okay. I'm not going to spend that much longer on there. Yeah, so they designed it very smartly to make it basically impossible to quit out of it. You can't reboot the computer. If you want to disable it, you can set it to force you to type in like a 60-character random string of letters. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that would really make you think about going in there. <laughs> but, you know, this says to me they know how much we both we're – like we're at odds with ourselves. Right. right. You know, we have – it's. We literally actually have two different parts of our, of our brain. You know, I'll go, I keep going back to evolutionary biology. We've got this very old reptilian part of our brain, you know, that we share with lizards. Uh, you know, this is, this is what controls our, our sex drive. 
drive for food and shelter and safety, all of like our core uh, vital functions, fight or flight, all of this. And that is mostly what our apps and devices tap into. You know, they're, they're going straight to the core mm-hmm. of the reptilian brain. And then we have a more evolved, more recent in evolutionary history part of our brain, uh, particularly the, fr- the, the prefrontal cortex. That's what lets you think logically and rationally. But you know what? When those two parts of the brain fight with each other, which they often do, <laughs> the rational brain loses almost all the time. Really? Yeah. That's- you know, it's the, that reptilian brain is what keeps us alive, you know? Right. And so when something is tapping into a deep need or emotion or a fear, the reptilian brain kicks into gear and will we'll almost always override it, you know? And mm-hmm. that's why we go on to Facebook for longer than we want or do all of these other things because mm-hmm. the technology is tapping in, you know, it's tapping into both desire and hope, but also very often into fear. I mean, I'm sure everyone has heard of fear of missing out, FOMO, right. you know, that fear that, ah, oh, you know, wait, what's, what, what am I missing out on right. by not being on my phone right now? Here's an exercise. Here's kind of a mindfulness exercise you, you can do, uh, which is our brain tends to be drawn to imagining the positive things that we're not seeing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in reality, how often are they really there? You know, you might be just missing out on a hundred more dick pics from someone that you have. <laughs> Is that really, really what you want to see? You know, so you can, you, can, uh, you can apply mindfulness in that moment when you're drawn, when right. your reptilian brain's telling you there's going to be some, you know, mental candy for you. Right. And so, you know what? The last hundred times I've gone on, <laughs> I've really, actually, what? I, yeah, it, and that's a great thing to think about because a lot of times, you know, that's you know, you are thinking, oh, I, I'm missing out on all this great stuff, but then you open it up and it's like a hundred people's angry rants, yeah, about everything. So that's you know a great way to you know shift perspective a little bit. Yeah, and you know, it, it, this is some, by pausing and practicing pausing. You can also think of mindfulness as a way the practice of it over time as strengthening these other parts of your brain so that they can actually be a match for your reptilian brain, which naturally is, is much stronger in these kinds of situations. Right. Now here a couple of weeks ago, they had, well, it was like national unplug day or maybe it was unplug weekend. Like I saw that. Um, I, I think I was, was it? Uh, I think it was on Facebook. If somebody had posted that and I was just like, I'm not participating in that. <laughs> <'Cause> I, <laughs> like that, that reptilian brain was like, no chip, you, you know, <clears throat> you got stuff to do. So, you know, I, I am all, I am a, for anything that works. I'm for anything that draws attention to the, the, the harms we're facing and to benefits of, of getting away from technology. I am a bit skeptical of, of, these abstinence approaches, you know, mm-hmm. a, a full day away, because we know, right, when you don't, you don't eat sugar for a day, you go back and you binge, you know, right. this, is just, this, is what, this is what happens. So this is why, although I wouldn't say don't do it, uh, I, um, uh, I, there's people who promote uh, technology, Shabbat or Sabbath, you know, where it's with your, uh, Tiffany Schlain is a filmmaker who, who very widely promoted this, this, this practice with her family. Now there, I think it's not just about abstinence and not doing, it's about intentionally then spending that day with your family together face to face. There's a positive thing you're replacing it with, right. you know, that, that I think is great. I think we, we run a risk when we just say, I'm going to deny myself this thing 
for a day or an hour, you know, because then you're much more likely to want to overdo it when you're done. Right. Because you need your fix. You need your fix. You need your fix. You know, instead, that's why I talked about, you know, when you feel that fear or the motivation to, to jump onto your phone, dive into that fear, pay attention to it, examine it, feel what it feels like. You know, I had an experience here to talk about, you know, making embarrassing self-admissions. This might have been about 10 years ago. I am not a big video game player. Mm -hmm. Somehow I was on my laptop and I saw the Minesweeper app, you know, which I don't think I had ever played before. Mm -hmm. I played for a couple of minutes. I played it. Now, I can't say I was playing it nonstop, but for about 36 hours, I really, I, I, I just kept getting drawn into playing Minesweeper. Right. Playing, playing, playing Minesweeper. Somehow, fortunately, it ran its course. You know, I've never had a desire to play Minesweeper again. Uh -huh. <laughs> now, that doesn't happen for all people, but, but the point is by uh, sometimes immersing yourself into something, particularly if you do it mindfully by paying attention to what your experience is while you're doing it, it sometimes can either give you an insight into why you're doing something, or sometimes it could actually help to dispel the intensity of the feeling that's driving you forward, that fear. Uh, sometimes, and, uh, uh, Judd Brewer is someone who's uh, had been at the Center for Mindfulness. He's an addiction researcher, and, mm -hmm. and he's done a lot of mindfulness-based uh, 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 therapy for smokers, and he often tells the story. You know, when people come into him, uh, the first thing he asked them to do is light up a cigarette and smoke it. You know, and say, wait, wait, hold on a second. <laughs> I'm coming here to stop smoking. <laughs> Why are you asking me to light up? He said, I'm asking you to light up so that when you smoke, I want you to really pay close attention to how you feel mm -hmm. while you're smoking. And, you know, he, he relays the fact that there's people who smoke for 20 years who say, you know what? I've never really paid attention or I haven't since the first day or two. Right. And when I, I've, ever since then, I've just been doing it reflexively. And when I actually pay attention, it feels like crap. You know, <laughs> it does not feel good. And it, it, it takes that conscious, go back to that boring, sensible John Kabat-Zinn definition, mm -hmm. intentionally paying attention to your experience sometimes to feel what it feels like. And then not in a moment or you know overnight in some kind of eureka experience sometimes by paying attention continuously over time you can eventually work through and move past that that controlling urge that is fascinating that is good stuff now your course that's you know your online course that you'd mentioned now is that you know kind of like what we've been talking about here is like an interactive course yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very simple. You know, I wanted to keep it simple. It does not involve installing an app. You know, I didn't want to sabotage myself and create something that was <laughs> <laughs> addictive. Uh, that would have been, that would have been hilarious though. If you had like, you were talking about with Google where they have like the retina scanners, if you like yeah. that whole process <laughs> to make it an addictive app. And so that would have been, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not an app. It's a series of guided audio exercises uh, where just like I did, uh, on the podcast here, mm -hmm. I guide people through the exercises they can practice with their smartphone in their hand that essentially simulate interacting with it. Just like in a martial arts class, you simulate a fight with someone attacking you, and it's, but in a safe, controlled way. That's what you're doing with these exercises to replace those instinctive reptilian brain 
habits with new habits that let you take control over how you use your smartphone. So it's, it's um, 10 exercises spread out over four sessions. They're self-guided. You can take them at any time. You can re-listen to it. Now, I recommend that people do these one a week. Again, you know, it's not like Netflix. I don't recommend you binge listen to the meditation exercises <laughs> one right after the other. Instead, you listen to one, take some time then, Practice it again on your own the next day and the next day and the next day before you move on uh, to, the, to the next practice. And then you can keep working on these uh, on your own, like with anything else that you do, practicing a sport or a musical instrument. You, know, you, can, you can continue to gain layers of, of uh, skill in these by practicing the same exercises over. And we also have a teacher version for people who are mindfulness or meditation teachers or who are coaches who incorporate mindfulness. Uh, there's a teacher's guide that gives those people extra guidance for how to guide other people, their students or clients through the exercises. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Um, I tell you what, all right conversation has been so fascinating to me. I mean, you're so smart and such like such a a great application of, you know, something that we could see as like a real distraction, but we can use to actually be more mindful. I just, you know, like, you know, when I was first thinking, I was like, man, this is also counterintuitive, but when you explain it, it all just, if it, it makes so much sense. So thank you for sharing some time with me today. Oh. Um, um, yeah, I've, I've really, I've really, really enjoyed. As you can tell, I get a bit worked up about this topic. Oh no, I mean, I, lo I love that. I love that. Now, um, for people that want to find the course and find yeah. you, where do you want them to go? Yeah, you can for the course. You can go directly to tapintomindfulness.com. For technology for mindfulness, which is the broader organization, we have a blog with always has very practical tips on how to use technology mindfully. Uh, we have a podcast much like this one where I interview other people, psychologists, teachers, parents, uh, authors, mindfulness educators, technologists about technology and mindfulness. All of that is at technologyformindfulness.com. Awesome. Awesome. And I'll make sure I put that in the show notes so people can just like click if they want to, you know, uh, get the course. So that's uh, good stuff. Now we're wrapping up and uh, I got five, uh, fast five questions I'm going to ask you. Great. And so uh, we're just going to run through them. Just whatever first comes to your mind, just throw it out there. If you don't have an answer, that's cool too. Awesome. Right. First question. Robert, who's your favorite comedian? Oh, geez. Uh, yeah, you're, you're really putting me on the spot. I, lately, I've loved Jim Gaffigan. I love Jim Gaffigan. <laughs> Lo yeah, absolutely. Hot pockets. Love that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. What's your go-to funny movie? Uh, uh, young Frankenstein from that my is, youth. <laughs> yeah. You know, and what's funny is that I love Mel Brooks movies and I was just watching Blazing Saddles the other night and I was watching, I was like, this movie is so politically incorrect. I don't, I don't think that they can make it today's world. I just don't, I mean, I don't think that it would be, but as a classic, it's a, you know, it's one of those things, oh, it's a classic, you know, but if they made it today, they would probably like run him out of town. Um, do you have a third question? Do you have a favorite kind of comedy that you like? Yeah, uh, you know, in recent years, I've really come to, to love kind of really dry comedy. Uh, I, I loved uh, The Flight of the Concords when they were on, probably very obscure. Uh, Key and Peele, you know, in the yeah. last five, I am so sad that they are not on the air anymore. Right. But I just, 
if I'm going to go and binge watch something, sometimes I try to do it with Key and Peele. I feel, at least I feel it's something a little bit more healthy. Right. Yeah. I love that show. Um, and it is, um, it's, it's, to me, it's smart humor. It's, yeah. ways, it's just, you know, uh, it's a, a little bit higher than some of the other, you know, just uh, stuff. And um, let me just point people, do a search on Google for Key and Peele text message confusion. It is the funniest take on why people... M- misunderstand each other by text message, but that you will ever see. Um, I will. I don't have that one app on my computer that keeps me from looking at YouTube during the day. So I will watch that when we're done here today. All right. Fourth question. You and I are like having an eighties movie night. What movie do we watch? Oh, geez. There's so many, you know, uh, the first thing that would come to mind would be Terminator. (laughs) (laughs) That's the uh, the original one that is a great that's uh actually all I didn't mind any of the Terminator movies the last one was a little um, I don't know but then again I'll watch all the Rocky movies too yeah um, Terminator no yeah but both because of the you know the future about the the harm of technology and then maybe a Lethal Weapon oh that's a good choice too all right last question all right and if you don't have this one on the ready that's fine do you have a favorite joke one that always makes you laugh. Oh geez, no! Now you're really you're really putting me on the spot. I like to I like to make light of mindfulness. Uh, here, I'll uh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll tell you a a Buddhist joke, not so much a technology and mindfulness joke. How does a Buddhist order pizza? I don't know. Make me one with everything. Nice, very good. <laughs> well, <laughs> I like that one. Um, <laughs> Well, thanks so much for spending some time with me today. I, like I said, I learned a lot and I know my listeners um, will get a lot from our conversation. So you know, thank you so much. Oh, thanks, Chip. I, I had a blast being on the show. So what'd you think? Was Robert Plotkin the bomb or what? I thought it was super cool, super great information. I know I always struggle with mindfulness and all the distractions in my life and now I've got some strategies where I can practice mindfulness with the things that would normally bring me bring me distraction so I'm gonna encourage you to go to Robert's website check out his stuff really cool guy really great content and I'm gonna encourage you also to check out our website aath.org see what the organization is about um, connect with us we'd love to have you on the team so until next time this is Chip Lutz saying we'll keep the laugh on for you This is LaughBox, the podcast for laughter and humor professionals. LaughBox is made possible by a grant from the National Speakers Foundation and is brought to you by AATH, the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Find out more at AATH.org. Be sure to review LaughBox on iTunes. For show notes and more information about today's conversation, visit LaughBox.AATH.org.